Good morning. Let me say this first of all, thank you for being here. And I mean that, I, I, it's really easy to take it for granted. And I want you to know that we don't, and I don't, and I just want to thank you for being here. That was an awesome time of singing, wasn't it? Yes, and God just moving, and we're just praying that he will continue. I have another announcement. You met one of our newest staff members this morning doing the announcements, and Scott Pettis. Pray for Scott and Marty and their kids as they're still getting adjusted. Uh, but I want to announce to you today that we have filled uh, the position that Paul Dunbar left, and we have made the decision, Lord leading, and been through about two and a half months of praying over this, of hiring Jennifer Walker as a kids' director on staff at our church. I know some of you didn't clap. I get that feeling. Some of you don't like me either. So, you know, it's just the way it is. I get, no, yeah, yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, so I want you to know, pray for, for Jen and, and the girls. As she's coming on staff, it'll be part-time. She is in contract with the school. We think it's only right that she honors that and finishes out that contract. So she'll be coming on uh, part-time right now, full-time June. And then we'll uh, see what the Lord has in store from there, okay? Now, I told her I was going to make that announcement, but I wouldn't make her get up here this Sunday. So if you don't know who that is, you can put a face to that later on as we'll get her to do the announcements one of these Sundays and you can go, okay, that's her, all right? All right, so again, glad that you're here and uh, excited about the sermon today. Been, been really passionate, as always, about preaching God's word and what he wants to do with us today. So a life on mission for God will connect with God. Have you picked that up yet? If you've been here, <laughs> we've been talking about this for a while now. A life on mission for God connects with God and connects with other people. And then a life on mission will also serve God and serve others. It will uh, share, not only materialistically, but will share what we have, any gifts or talents, whatever those may be, to help and be a blessing to other people. A life on mission for God will grow in its relationship with God and with others and in healthy relationships. And a life on mission for God is a life of prayer. We have two items or two things in this spiritual battle that we, we fight every day of our life. And one is the word of God, the sword of the spirit, right? And then we have prayer as a spiritual uh, means to fight this spiritual battle. So a life on mission is a prayerful life. Well, I want you to understand all that's good, but understand if, if, you're, if you've been here and you're working on that and you say, okay, Robbie, I've got that. I'm working. I'm, I'm connecting better or I'm praying better. I'm sharing better. I'm growing. I'm, I'm serving. Okay, that's great. That's good. Now the question is why? Because I stood up here and told you you needed to? The wrong reason. See, 1 Corinthians 13 is very, very clear in that if we do anything that's not motivated by love, there is no reward in that. Anything that's not motivated by love in our life, if I'm not connecting, serving, sharing, growing, and praying because I absolutely just love God and love people, then as Paul said it, I am nothing. It brings me nothing. So just quickly, if you're doing that, and I hope you're doing it, I hope you made some goals for this year in 2020 and that you're, you're further along in these areas than you were when it started. I really want that for your and my life because that means healthy, godly relationships and that we're doing it out of love. But for today, I want to talk about building our spiritual account, building our, all of this life on mission. What is it really doing, not just the here and now? Uh, I have learned in my few years of being married which is 31 going on 32. I had to look that up just so you know. I had to do the math anyway. Was that right? Yes, I got a nod yes. I'm good. Everything's good from here. 
You understand that now, right? I was more worried about, no, I wasn't. All right. Have you figured this out, men, that, I, that we have a trust account with our wives? Have you figured that out yet? <laughs> Some of you are going, mm, I don't know what you're talking about. Long road, buddy, I'm telling you. See, when I strive to be who God wants me to be and tr- stri- strive to, to love my wife and love my kids and I strive to be who God, as a spiritual leader, who he wants me to be in, and I, I'm nice and, and, and I keep my word and I follow through, that builds up a trust account with Jill. She trusts me because I'm doing those things. I have a trust account with her. And if I'm constantly breaking my word or lying to her or not doing what I'm going to say I'm going to do or, or keep saying, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to get on fire for God one of these days, honey, you know, that's just, and not doing it, the trust is really not there. Does that make sense? Say yes if it does. Okay, I just want to make sure. We have a spiritual account with God. Let me, let me put it this way. How many of you have a bank account? Let me see your hands, right? Almost every hand, right? So we have a bank account. There's two principles to a bank account elementary-wise. Deposits and withdrawals. <laughs> Do you understand what those are? Some of you that don't, you're in trouble. I'm just saying. Do we understand that deposits is what goes in and withdrawals come out, right? The more I deposit and the less I withdraw means the more money I have in the bank. You with me there? Some of you don't have a clue, and that's why you're overdrawn. You get charged 20 bucks every time you get overdrawn. Because you you're going, man, that just blew my mind. I don't know what he's talking about. I know. So the more I deposit, the less I withdraw, the more I have in the bank. The less I deposit, the more I withdraw, <laughs> it gets me in trouble. It's the same principle here. When we talk about our spiritual account with God, the more deposits we have, the more spiritual account or we're going to have in our spiritual accounts. That's just the way it works. Did you know that our spiritual account is being deposited into every day of our life. Did you know that? So life on mission for God is making spiritual deposits in our spiritual account if we're motivated by the right reason to do it. And we're making spiritual deposits. See, living a life on mission for God, motivated by love for him and others, will build our spiritual account in heaven. So I want to read Philippians chapter 4. If you're not there, go ahead and turn there. Uh, a missionary came through a few weeks ago and he preached a sermon and, and this was just one blip in that sermon and God just really moved in my heart that day and I said, Robbie, that's this powerful and this life on mission and what's going on and, and had me put this message together to challenge us with it. In Philippians chapter four, uh, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, that's why it's called Philippians, and he's writing back to them, not only instructing them, but encouraging them, it's both in there, and and part of nine through 20 here is the encouragement that he gives to them. So look at verse nine with me. He says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the peace of God will be with you. Life on mission, right there. Life on mission. It goes on, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now... At, your, at last, your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned to both be full 
and to be hungry, both to bound and to suffer need. So the Apostle Paul was traveling, preaching the gospel. Uh, people were accepting Christ as Savior, getting baptized, coming to church, forming churches. And, and he had needs in his life because he, this is what he did. In the Philippian church, those believers got together and said, we want to help Paul. We want to support Paul and what he's doing. And they would send him stuff every now and then, whether it was monetary or gifts or blankets or jackets or whatever it was that Paul needed. They would send him something. And he's thanking them for that. And I want you to get this. He goes, not that I, I, haven't, not that I desire those things, but it's nice to have. He said, I've learned to do with and learned to do without. I've learned to be hungry and I've learned to be full. But Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's talking about contentment there. But then he goes on. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Now get this. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I seek the fruit that bounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's what I, I want you to really get a hold of this, right? Paul received these things from the Philippians, the believers in Christ. They shared with him. They prayed for him. They gave towards him. When he was there, they served alongside. They lived life on mission with Paul. And now God sent Paul somewhere else, and they continued to do that with him. And I love what he says there. He said, man, I am now full because Epaphroditus has brought me what you sent for me. Man, I've never had it so good, but I want you to understand something. I don't, I'm not happy because you sent me a gift. He said, I'm more happy because I seek the fruit that abounds to your account and what you did. Paul wasn't sitting back and whining and complaining that there's only one church who was helping him. No, Paul was so thankful for that church and he encouraged them to give and the Lord would bless them in their giving and their sharing and living life on mission and their following of the Holy Spirit leadership in their life. Listen, was Paul thankful because he wasn't no longer hungry? No. Was he thankful because uh, he wasn't in need anymore at that point in time? No. He was thankful because the Philippians had built something into their spiritual account now. That's what he was thankful for. And sitting there on this Wednesday night a few weeks ago, I thought, man, we need that. I, I want that in your life. As your pastor, I want that in your life. I want it in my life to build our spiritual account. And folks, I'm just, this is going to be, some of you old schoolers, are, after I get into this, you're going to go, amen, brother, get them. I understand that. I'm going to walk out and go, man, preacher, all over my toes today, good sermon. I understand that. This is, this is an in-your-face kind of sermon. I get that. Because here's, here's where we are. I think too many times we get caught up in the things of this world, the needs and wants that we have are here, that we forget about building our spiritual accounts in heaven. Amen, preacher. That's good. Hear me on this. One day death is going to come for every one of us. And our opportunities here on this earth will be over. There's no do-overs, no mulligans, no going back. 
There will be no more opportunities to connect with other people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There will be no more opportunities to serve people here for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There will be no more opportunities to, to give and to grow in the areas we're talking about for the gospel or the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No more opportunities because death ends all of that. We need to focus on building our spiritual accounts in heaven because when death comes, and it is coming, there'll be no more opportunities. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul says, not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And I think we get so short-sighted so many times as believers in Christ. We get caught up in the world, and we get caught up in living life. We get caught up that we, 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 we're not building our spiritual account that Paul's speaking of here. Now, 1 Thessalonians 4, I, I can't tell you how many times we as pastors use this at a graveside service or in a funeral service. We tend to almost keep it to those. But, but it fits so well in here, and the Holy Spirit led me to share it. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he's saying, hey, you don't know this? I don't want you to remain in your ignorance. So here it is. That's what he's saying. That's for us too. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Listen, Jesus Christ is coming back one day. He came, he was born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life, he offered himself as your sacrifice and mine for the sins of mankind so we could have a relationship with God the Father, ultimately so we could go spend eternity in heaven one day, and then he ascended in Acts, right, uh, back up to heaven and where he is right now, but he is coming back one day. It's very clear that we call it the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's biblical and it's good. Now, I don't care and I don't want to get into whether you believe it's that pre-trib time or mid-trib or post-trib. Here's the fact that we do know. He is coming back one day. And at the close of his coming back, he's going to set up a thousand-year reign here on this earth where he is the King of kings and Lord of lords visually. But here's what I want us to consider. If Jesus were to come back today, we don't know what day it is. Scripture tells us we will never know what day it is. If somebody says it's March 18th, you count on him not coming that day. God's not going to give them that credit that they actually guessed right. Right? Instead, we don't know. We're just told to be ready. He is coming back one day. Here's the thought. If he were to come back Today, are you ready? Because when he comes back, this life as we know it is over. It's done. No more opportunities. See, I believe this, that if Jesus were to come back today, he would catch some unprepared. Some people that attend church every week. 
some people who are good moral people, some people who are actually better people than some who claim to be Christian or believers. It's going to catch them unaware, unprepared. And I know all the arguments out there, and most of them anyway, but here's the deal. The Bible clearly teaches that Jesus is coming one back, back one day. We don't know when that is. And the Bible tells us that it's going to catch a lot of people unprepared. I just wonder how many are seated here today or listening online right now that it's going to catch unprepared. I know there are millions who are probably looking forward to and longing for Jesus' return, but it seems that number continues to shrink. Uh, my discipleship group and I were having this conversation the other day about this, and, and we thought, man, why is it so hard for us as Americans, artisans, wherever you live, to really live with the thought of Jesus coming back one day and letting that motivate us to live a life for him on mission for him? Why do we struggle with that so much? And I couldn't help but, but just share with the group what some of my thoughts on it and I thought you know if I was sitting in a third world country somewhere begging for food every day not knowing where my next meal was coming from trying to stay warm just the basic necessities of life praying not for the three meals I have today but praying that I would have a meal today I think I would be looking forward to Jesus' return a little more we're so comfortable. We're so blessed that sometimes I'm afraid in our mind we think, don't come back yet, Jesus. Don't, don't come back yet. I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see my grandkids grow up. I kind of want to see who I'm going to marry. Now listen to me. If he doesn't come back and those things happen, then praise God. But we should long more for the return of Jesus than those things. And, and folks, I'm just convinced that there's a lot of people that attend church or don't attend church. There's a lot of people that, that claim Christianity or don't claim Christianity, that claim salvation in Jesus alone. And the whole world's going to be caught unprepared. Listen, I'm glad if you have some money in the bank. But if you're making a lot more deposits in this world than you are in heaven, something's wrong. I'm glad that you love your kids and that you care for your kids and that, that you want to take them everywhere they can go. I, I'm glad they're talented and they're gifted and, and they're the smartest kid in class, right? I'm glad for all of that. But when this world and the worldly things come in front of you, pouring into them, building a spiritual account in them, and, and teaching them godly ways, and, and modeling for them, being an example for them, and, and building a spiritual account in heaven, instead of living for this world, something's wrong. We justify so many things in our life basically to be worldly. We do. I don't have to be in church every Sunday. God never said I had to. You're right. Not really building that spiritual account. Well, you know, one of these days, I'm going to get serious about God. One of these days, I'm going to live life on mission for God. When the kids get older and I have more money or, you know, when, when things slow down a little bit, I'm going to get on mission for God. You understand, while you're not doing that, you're not building in a spiritual account in heaven. You're more concerned about this earth than you are the things of, of God. Folks, listen to me. One of these days, 
one of these days, it could be today, it could be tomorrow, I don't know, but the Son of God is going to split the heavens and that trumpet's going to sound. It's going to be so loud, everyone on earth is going to hear it. That's going to be kind of cool, isn't it? The trumpet's going to sound, and those who knew Christ as Savior, Scripture says there in Thessalonians, will rise up to meet him in the air first, and then if he comes while we're alive and we know Christ as Savior, we're going to rise up to meet him in the air. What an awesome thing that's going to be. Can, can you even grab a hold of that mentally? That's going to be an exciting time when we meet the Son of God in the air, and so shall we ever be with him. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What happened to that, that longing to be with Jesus, wanting to be with him? We're so worldly-minded, we forget about our spiritual account, building our spiritual account, and longing for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the end of Revelation, you know what it says? John writes about the end times. John writes about a new heaven, a new earth. What God would, was able to, him to put into words, right? Which he even says in there, I didn't have the words for it, but the Holy Spirit gave him something for us to try to comprehend what it's going to be like, but we really can't. The end of Revelation, John writes this to the Holy Spirit. Even so come Lord Jesus. I wonder if that's how we're living. Well, a life on mission lives that way. But understand this, the thought of Jesus coming back today is not a popular one. It's not. Some of you are sitting there going, wow, I've never heard this before. 2 Peter 3 says this, it'll be on the screen. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Where is he? Y'all been preaching for centuries that Jesus is coming back one day. Where is he? Since the apostles died off, since the disciples, the first disciples have died, you keep preaching and teaching the same thing. Where is he? There are people who just don't believe it, and I get that. And there will always be those who do not believe in Jesus, who will not accept him as Savior of the world, who will make fun of a sermon like this or, or mock a sermon like this because we speak of Jesus coming back one day. There will always be those who live for themselves, who teach their kids to live by worldly standards, to put the things of the world in front of the spiritual things. But it should not be those of us who claim to be believers in Jesus Christ it shouldn't be us have a conversation with someone who grew up in church who went to Bible college and years later he just didn't believe that Satan was literal he didn't believe in a, a literal hell he became a well, I won't go there oh an abolitionist right we just when we when we die that's if you don't go to heaven you just cease to exist he didn't believe in a lake of fire anymore. Jesus' return will catch some off guard. And the reason it'll catch some off guard is because some people just think they have plenty of time. Right? Many people want to live for God tomorrow. Many people want to live a life on mission for God tomorrow. Many people say, I'm going I'm to get in his word, I'm going to study it, I'm going to get on fire for God, I'm going I'm to make an impact for him, I'm going I'm to share and grow and connect, I'm going I'm to do all of that when the kids don't have me so busy. We think we have plenty of time. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, in a moment, 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. There's that trumpet again. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Tragically for many, when they finally realize what has happened, there's no going back. They will have wasted their life living for this world and its pleasures when they could have been building their spiritual account in heaven. Moss and rust don't corrupt. You know, here's the sad part, folks. God had Timothy write to us about the last days, 1 Timothy 4. It's going to be up on the screen. Look at it. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. You know what that means? They were once faithful. They once had faith in God, and they've departed from that faith. Some will depart, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Our standard in America has become other people. Our standard in America is really not necessarily the word of God, it's I'm better than most. Our standard is how much can I get away with and still appear to love God? What are we teaching our kids? What are we teaching those around us? And parents, I'm, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> if you invest in your children, and most of it is worldliness, and at 16 and 17 and 18, they're choosing to live a worldly lifestyle, and it's breaking your heart, and you come to us, and you say, can you help us? We'll try but you modeled for them for years that God was not important, that godliness was not important, that worldliness was important, that living for accolades that the world has to offer was important. You modeled that. You, you enabled that. You, you paid money for that in their life for years. And guess what they're choosing? But we're so short-sighted. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now listen, that sounds so bad, so horrible, and I get that. But there can be the little nuances of just choosing this thing that's not really good or is okay over godliness. That's a hypocrisy. That's a lie. That's a doctrine of a demon. There was a time when those who claimed to know Christ as Savior lived godly lives. There was a time when, you ready? There was a time when I could use terms like the, the deity of Christ. And I could use terms like um, being justified before God. I could use a term like, hey, we all need to be sanctified. And, and I didn't have to preach a whole sermon on what that meant. Because God's people were in the Word, and they knew the Word, and they'd studied the Word, and they understood those terms. Because they were growing. When we talk about the second coming of Christ, I love it in class this morning. Uh, one, one young man asked me about the second coming aspect, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. And we, we talked about that. I love that a 20-year-old's asking me that. That's awesome. I bring that up with some that have been in church for five years and don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Today, modernism, liberalism have crept into our churches, into our denominations, and into our religious institutions. And it started in our families. That's where it started. 
And then it crept into all those things. There, there's, churches no longer believe in old-fashioned ideas. You ready? Depravity of man. I don't believe that anymore. Man's not depraved. Really? Oh, look around. They don't believe in the salvation through the blood of Jesus anymore, or the virgin birth, or, or in a literal lake of fire. We just don't believe that. That's, that's old-fashioned thinking, right? That, that's, that's centuries-old thinking, right? We're, we're liberated today. We're more free thinking today than that. Well, the Word of God doesn't change, folks. Did you know the Bible describes the times that we live in? Did you know that? 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, but I know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. See any of that today? Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. That's today. And unfortunately, folks, it's a lot of believers today or Christians today. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God? That's today, folks. There are many who claim Jesus as Savior who are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You can argue with me on this all you want, but I want to ask you a question before we go there. How's your spiritual account in heaven? How many deposits did you make in heaven this past week? How many things did you do out of a love for God and a love for people and being on mission for God? How much did you pour in your kids that, that of godliness an example, how much did you pour into other people? How much did you do this past week? How did you build your spiritual account this past week? You know, it's been almost two months since I've been preaching a life on mission for God. What's changed? What has changed in your life? Are you building your spiritual account? If not, what lie have you believed that, that is telling you something is more important than focusing on building your spiritual account in heaven and longing for that day when Jesus is going to return? What lie are you believing? Because it is a lie. Again, Paul said, I don't seek these things because I'm in need of a gift. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And I stand here today to tell you I seek the same thing. I seek the fruit that would abound to our accounts. By living on mission for God, but it takes faith. It takes faith. A couple more verses and I'll be done. In Luke chapter 18, it's no wonder Jesus asked this question. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, that second coming, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Will he really find faith on earth? Hmm. In my 32 years of full-time service to God, I've become well acquainted with death. Before that, before I started the ministry, as a kid, I went to one funeral service, and I didn't like it. But man, when you're in the ministry, you go to a lot. You actually officiate a lot. And I can tell you, Today, folks, that I've stood at a lot of funeral services or memorial services, and I've preached to a lot of people that this person knew Jesus Christ as their personal Savior in 1 Thessalonians 4. When Jesus comes back one day, they're going to be the first ones that meet him in the air. Comfort one another with these words. 
Because death came, and it's going to come to all of us. And that person was ready because they knew Christ as Savior. I don't know what's in their spiritual account necessarily, but at least we were able to give that hope, that assurance. But I've also stood at a lot of other funeral services and memorial services and attended quite a few where I'm listening for one thing or I want to give one thing and I can't because I can't lie. Preaching a service, they rejected Christ. They didn't trust him as Savior. They did not go there with their life. And I have to stand up or we as pastors have to stand up and try to give comfort to that family. When if we really say what Scripture says... That person, when they rejected Christ, they did not accept him as savior from their sin. It's now going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Now, we don't say that at that point in time, but we also don't say they're with Jesus because that would be a lie. Ultimately, we don't know everyone's eternity. I get that. But what, I'm, what I want you to get is this. When a believer in Jesus Christ, when a Christian dies, the body's buried, but the soul goes to be with God. And then we have this miraculous happening, however it's going to happen when he comes again. The second Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to use the King James Version here because it's very strong. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now listen to me today. Two calls today. First of all, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, death is coming your way. You can't pick that day. You don't know when that's going to happen. And if you die and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, somebody like me is going to have to stand up at your service, try to offer hope and comfort to your, cam your family, and we can't do it scripturally as far as eternity. The greatest gift you can give your wife or your husband or your kids or your grandkids or those friends and that family that you have is that you know personally Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. The greatest gift you can give them is that because death is coming to every one of us. Do you know Christ as your Savior? And then for us as believers, here's the second call. How, are we building our spiritual account in heaven? Are we so caught up as believers, as Christians, that, man, most of what we do is worldly? It's going to fade away one day. Are we building our spiritual account? Are we teaching our kids to build their spiritual account in heaven? Are we teaching that, that family member, those, that wife, that husband, are we encouraging each other to build that spiritual account in heaven? Well, let me ask you this. What did you spend your time, your talent, and your money on this last week? Bow your heads with me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says this. In acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, every head bowed and every eye closed. Listen to this. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you would be totally honest today with your head bowed and your eyes closed, you're being honest to God, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now, and you would say, Robbie, I don't know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I don't know that I'd go to heaven one day. I'm afraid that if, if Jesus came back today or death came my way, that I would spend eternity in a lake of fire. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand up? I want to pray with you. Just lift your hand up and say, Robbie, that is me. Just lift it up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. I want to help you. Somebody, just lift your hand up and say, that is me, Robbie. 
that is me. All right, thank you for that honesty. Thank you for that honesty. Thank you for that honesty. Anybody else? Several hands have gone up. Just being honest before God to say, you know, I, I put this off. I've never really heard it this way. Never really understood it. Or, or I've, I've prolonged this thing. That's me, Robbie. I don't know today that I would go to heaven. I'm just lift your hand up real quick. I just want to pray with you. Thank you for that honesty. Somebody else. Anybody else? Robbie, that's me. Listen, I was right there where you are. I was right there where you are. Thank you for that hand up there. I was right where you are one day. I lifted my hand up and I've never regretted lifting my hand up that day. Somebody else, acknowledge today. So that's me, Robbie. Thank you. Somebody else. All right, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just make an assumption here. Everybody who didn't raise their hand, you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You know the fear that's going through these, these people or the apprehension that's going through. You pray for them right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just pray, 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 pray. And I'm gonna ask those that lifted their hand up. I'm gonna ask you to take a step of faith. I'm gonna ask you to step out in courage not to embarrass you. We want to take the word of God and we want to show you how you can know today is the day of your salvation. That if death were to come after you walk out of our building today, you can know you're going to heaven. Or if Jesus were to come back today or this afternoon, you would be caught up with him in the air as a believer in Jesus Christ and live for eternity with him. We want you to know that today. But in order to do that, I need you to step out by faith. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody's looking. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. If you lifted your hand up, would you come meet me real quick? Nobody else looking around. If you raised your hand, I know you're going, really? I thought you were, I'm not. If you lifted your hand up, would you come meet me? Come on, man. Come on. Today is the day of salvation. Today is that day. You don't have to put it off anymore. You don't have to wonder about it anymore. You don't have to seek that thing anymore. You lifted your hand up. Come see me. Thank y'all. Somebody else. Man, you may have been in church your whole life and everybody here thinks you're a believer and in your heart of hearts, you know you're not. And you're wondering what everybody will think. Don't worry about that. You're not gonna answer to them. When Jesus comes back today, you're gonna answer to him. Somebody else. All right, here's what I'm gonna ask y'all to do, okay? We wanna take some time. We want to sit down with the Word of God and just walk through that, answer any questions you have. Is that okay with everybody? Is that all right? So I'm going to ask you to go with Scott right here, okay? And he's going to take you and give you some people, all right? Thank you all so much for coming today. For God's people, are you ready for His return? Are you building a spiritual account? Have you let worldliness get in the way? Have you let, you know, other people and other standards other than living for him and on mission for him getting away are you lukewarm for god are you complacent comfortable i know i've been there and this altar's open god's people need to repent and if we're not willing to step out and repent i guarantee you we're not willing to live on mission for him so as we stand you need to come down to an altar today you come down to an altar stand with me please God's moved and spoke to you and you come down as husband and wife, as family, as friend, as neighbor. I don't care. It's just a, God's people need to respond in a way that's pleasing to Him.